Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. People are always asking me how to change perceptions, like how do I change the perception a peer has of me, or most often, how do I change the perception a senior manager has of me? Now, my response to people is always that you change the conversation as a way of changing the perception. But you also have to call people's attention to the changes that you're making because otherwise they don't tend to notice and they just tend to look for that one piece of evidence that confirms what they already thought, ignoring the 99 pieces of evidence that say something different. Well, as brilliant as I think my comments are, my guest today has a much more satisfying and a much more methodical approach with lots of practical tips. So with me today is Karen Kang. Karen is a globally recognized brand strategist, and she's the CEO and founder of Branding Pays, which is a corporate and personal branding company. You can find them at brandingpays.com. She's the author of a best-selling book called Branding Pays, The Five-Step System to Reinvent Your Personal Brand. Now, Karen's work has been featured on a whole bunch of places like Business Week, Forbes, Wall Street Journal Radio, as well as on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox in a variety of network affiliates. Her clients range from Fortune 100 firms to startup entrepreneurs, and she's trained thousands on her unique branding pay system for personal branding. Um, Karen comes from a corporate world. She was at Regis McKenna. Incorporated, which is a big marketing firm, and that firm, while she was there and working with them, she helped launch the Apple brand. She's consulted over 200 organizations in Europe, U.S., and Asia. Um, as I said, she's worked with corporate, large companies, nonprofits, and startups, and she's also been listed as the top 10 for global gurus for brand. What a great selection. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Wanda. That was a, a lovely introduction. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to have you. Um, and I can also highly recommend the book, too, for anybody who's listening at this point in time. But, Karen, you come from the core marketing, branding, launching Apple branding world. What got you started on personal branding? Well, I was really a corporate positioning and branding expert, but I saw a real need for branding people. Basically, people can think of themselves as a company of one. And they really should, because in today's world, you have to think like you're a contractor as opposed to an employee whose employment is going to last forever. Those days are long gone, so you have to look out for yourself, and you have to brand yourself. I tell people that branding is their job, not only for themselves, uh, but for the company that they work for. I mean, companies today expect their employees to brand themselves and to enhance the corporate brand as well. So why are companies expecting this? They're expecting it because the world has changed. Um, Just look at the change that globalization and social media has wrought. Um, It's not good enough just to be known within the walls of your company, and and today they're virtual walls, and they span geographies and continents and oceans. And um, 
the way that people are known, that may be a far-flung office in, in uh, you know, South Africa, and you're in the United States, and how do they know about you? Maybe there's a corporate initiative being put together and a team being put together, and you really should be on that team because of your expertise and background. But if nobody knows about you, it's not going to happen, and you're going to miss that opportunity. So people need to get out there and educate people because a lot of people have a problem with what they think is, you know, self-promotion and, you know, yeah. kind of chest beating in the forest. But it's, it's very important to think of it not as just something of vice, like, you know, not being humble and being a braggart. It really is education. And if you think about it as education, it's education that not only benefits you, but it benefits the whole world when the world knows about what your talents are and your experience and, you know, the, the image and the presence that you can bring to uh, solutions. I see that, uh, especially as I see lots of companies going to their employees to do things like support the company products, tout the company products, um, recommend their friends, you know, write comments about what it's like to work at this place in a positive way, recruit people that they know. And the stronger your brand is in the world at large, the more effective you are doing some of those things as well for the company. And you're seeing that now with all sorts of companies having a variety of code of conduct around the social media and what you can say and cannot say or do as an employee of the company. So I I, can't, think it's there. In fact, I think you have a brand whether you've been intentional about it or not. Um, it may have been accidental, but it's there. I mean, people have an impression. Even if that impression is, I don't know anything about her, she must not be important. Or he must not be important. But one of the things I like so much about your work is you talk about how to reposition, which I think is a very interesting idea. So given we have a brand, I might not be thrilled with it or I might just need to shift it a bit. So when would you want to reposition and how do you know it's time to reposition? Well, there are several inflection points. Um, The first one might be you have a review and you don't like how your review came out, and you said, well, that's not me. I mean, they, they didn't mention any of these positive things that I'm really bringing to the party. And so you have a branding problem at that point. Mm-hmm. If people don't know about it, it's really on you to help educate them. Another time when it might come up is when there's a, uh, you merge with company or you've been acquired and there's a new corporate culture. Uh, and you have to jockey for positions, especially if there's going to be some uh, restructuring involved. And you want to be, um, you know, the, the one that gets the job. I mean, I, I had a, a client. I actually worked with a, a department. Um, it was a corporate HR department, and they did corporate uh, learning and development. And there was a, another learning and development organization in the company that merged with them. But because of all the work that I did with that corporate learning and development uh, group and their leader and the key uh, chiefs underneath that leader, their brand was so strong that they came out on top and they actually let this uh, acquired company, if you will, um, be the corporate and learning development organization. So that 
you know, it, it was astounding. They were they were thrilled that one they didn't lose anybody, but two that they actually were seen as the experts because they had branded themselves. So, um, so I would say when people feel that their value is not um, recognized, and it could it doesn't even have to be a formal review. It can just be I feel stuck in my job. Bob over here got a promotion. I didn't, and I feel like I'm doing superior work to Bob. What gives? Yeah. I see that a thousand times over in any given week where people are frustrated by other peers who get promotion, and they don't understand why I'm not getting promotion. It can be promotion or recognition because it can be an opportunity as well as a promotion. So your hypothesis is that is just purely about you're not branding yourself well. Is that correct? Well, well, you know, I mean, I look at an expansive definition of what a brand is, but if a brand is really your reputation and image, reputation and image um, are basically what people base their opinions on. And if you haven't established the reputation that you want or the image that you want, then um, it's not anyone else's fault that they don't know about it. Uh, the day... You know, the days of your relying on your boss to brand you or to position you for career advancement is, uh, is gone. Um, certainly bosses have influence in that area, but uh, with so much change afoot in, uh, I just see corporate restructuring happen all the time, yeah. where people may have five bosses in one year. Um, you can't rely on someone else to brand you. And so that's why I came up with this methodology, this five-step methodology, because people were at a loss. Uh, They felt overwhelmed. I I really have a lot of work to do, and I have no idea what to do about it. It's not that they're not smart. I mean, the clients I work with are extremely smart. Uh, They do great work. Um, Often they have great jobs, but... um, they spend all the time thinking about the company or the product or organizational things, and they don't spend any time thinking about themselves and how their brand is perceived. And if it's not perceived in the right way, how can they shift the perception? And so um, the step-by-step process really takes people by the hand and gives them the tools. And after they go through the process, you'll see that they have the confidence and they also have the words, a concise way to message what their unique value is to a particular audience. Right. Great. Yeah, I worked with a woman several years ago who was frustrated about not getting a key promotion she was looking for and had been up against a couple of years and just a little bit on the edge of her rope of if it doesn't happen this year, something disastrous is going to occur. And, you know, coming out of a whole range of work that she did, she said, right, I got it. I have project me. I'm going to treat me the same way I would treat any client that I am trying to win over. And I'm going to spend 10% of my time in any given week on me. And I'm going to have an ad campaign and I'm going to have a pitch book and I'm going to do exactly what I would do with client, but it's all focused on me. And that's some of the same stuff you're talking about. What I like about your work, though, is I think people know they need to think about this, but they don't know where to begin. And you give us a place to do. There's a five-step process. So tell me about that and tell me how it works. Well, first of all, let's go big picture. I like to do this metaphor that I call cake and icing. 
And okay. cake is the rational foundation for your brand. It's your strengths. It's, you know, the expertise that you have. It's experience. And the icing is really the emotional value. So how do people relate to you uh, on a personal basis? You know, what is your personality like? What is your attitude? Are you inspirational? Um, How do you uh, do in terms of relationships? So cake and icing. And the cake has to precede the icing, or it really should. I mean, you, you, there has to be a there there before you try to you know, pile the right. icing on top. If you're just all icing, uh, it doesn't really work unless, say, you're Kim Kardashian. Right, right. But, well, we see people like that. They just don't have, tend to have staying power very long. That's right. And especially you know, in, in a professional setting, you have to have you know, strengths, and you have to be known for them. So what I like to do is say, um, first of all, before you even get started uh, with the Branding Pays tools, look at doing kind of a 360 on your brand. So you have an assessment, so you know where you're starting from. And I actually have a brand assessment questionnaire um, that's in my book as well as on my website under brandingpays.com slash resources, um, you'll find this questionnaire and you can send it out to, uh, you know, your boss, your peers, partners that you work with, uh, people who know your work and should know you and um, ask them if they'll be candid about, you know, putting uh, their thoughts together, even in bullet form, just to give you an idea of what they think your strengths are, what they think your core values are, uh, what they think that your um, unique value proposition is. And when you get that back, if everything is all aligned and it's aligned in the way that you want it to be, then poof, you're done. I mean, your brand is exactly um, on target. But if you find that different people have a lot of different opinions and it's kind of a confused mess out there, then you go, ooh, I have some work to do. And, or you might find a gem in some of the comments that come back because you go, oh, I never really thought of myself as being strategic. And here's someone saying that they really like how I think and that I think out of the box and I think big picture. And I'm going to really push that a lot more because uh, in this new cult, uh, corporate culture that we have, strate- uh, strategy and strategic agility is number one. So that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that you can do with this assessment. But the mm-hmm. five steps that I talk about in personal branding is one, positioning. And positioning is a term that marketers use to help people understand where you place these various products. So if you're looking at Starbucks and people are always going to Starbucks, they're looking at that brand and saying, I want coffee and the ambiance and the image that that brand brings to me, as opposed to just running down to the local coffee shop and getting your your latte. So why do people keep on going back to Starbucks? Because it's a known quantity They know the brand, they respect the brand, and the brand makes them feel good. So think about positioning yourself. How do you position yourself that in just a few words people will say, oh, you know, Renee is the strategic agility uh, leader for, you know, high-performance teams. So positioning will help you to understand who your target audience is and what 
problem that they have that you can solve and then be able to say what your position is. How can you position yourself in that environment so that you are uniquely valued? So positioning is just a tool that then will lead to when you do your messages. And so messaging is number two. So positioning is number one, figuring out where your place is in the world. Number two is messaging. And I have a tool called the elevator pitch. I think a lot of people have heard of the elevator pitch. And sometimes people say, oh, the positioning statement is the elevator pitch. And I said, no, that's not it. It contributes to the elevator pitch, but it's really a set of uh, bullet points, talking points that you have. And most of the time when you have an elevator pitch, it's really done in the context of a give and take, you know, conversation that you have with mm-hmm. someone. Someone asks you what you do, and you have an opportunity to say what you do. But it's really great if you can say it in a way that is compelling. So putting together a compelling elevator pitch is very important. And okay. number three is where I say we put the cake and icing together in a total brand strategy. So the brand strategy is going to look at your core values, your strengths, your personality, your image, uh, and, and uh, your emotional and, and rational value. And when you put it, all that out in a matrix that I have, it's amazing the clarity that you start having on what your brand's all about. And it really builds your confidence. And when you have confidence that you are this brand that you aspire to or are 90% there, then, uh, then you feel good about going out and talking about it, educating people, living that brand. Um, number four is what I call the ecosystem, and that's just a fancy word uh, to talk about identifying and leveraging the influencers that are going to help you achieve that brand and achieve those perceptions. And those influencers uh, could be anywhere from people who are closest to you uh, in your company, uh, moving all the way out to external media, say, uh, talking on this podcast radio show with Wanda Wallace. That is the ecosystem. And there's a, there's a way that people reference in the ecosystem because in personal branding, it's not just what you say. It's what other people are saying about you. And do you have the relationships with these key influencers who can advocate for you? Um, and number five is looking at brand action. Um, this is the plan and action that will help you to launch, educate, and sustain your brand. So the five steps, again, are positioning, messaging through an elevator pitch, brand strategy, pulling your cake and icing together, uh, nurturing your ecosystem so that you have influencers advocating for you, and having a brand action plan so you can actually um, get some results over time. Great. I love that. That's. Um, I also love your idea of the cake and icing, that the cake is the rational, the logical, the experience, the expertise, the track record, the credibility, that kind of core content knowledge in some ways that makes people want to work with you. But the icing is the other half of it, the emotional value. You described as an attitude, the personality, the quality, the relationships, what it feels like basically to work with you. And then your five steps. Um, I just want to reference again, if you're interested in doing the 360 that Karen has mentioned, it's on her website at brandingpays.com. 
com slash resources. It's just a set of questions that you can send out to people to have them provide some candid feedback back to you on how they see you. And great chance to check out whether that's aligned or not aligned or better than what you thought or need some work either way around it. Okay, so five steps, Karen. Positioning, messaging, cake and icing together, the branding strategy, the ecosystem, and then the branding action. Let's start. I want to dig a little into the positioning because I think that sounds really straightforward in terms of I need to know where I am in the world. But you said it needs a target audience and it needs a problem that that audience has that you can help solve, as at least as a beginning of a positioning statement. Can you say a little bit more about how we do this positioning bit? Yeah. So first of all, it's it's good to have a goal in mind. If your goal is just to get recognition for the strengths and the experience that you have in your current position, that's totally fine. If you have a career goal, then um, state what your career goal is. Because let's say you're in a, a certain position today. For instance, I had um, a client who was known in the marketing area. She was a great marketing manager. And she wanted to pivot into an area that she thought was going to be increasingly important for her company which um, it's a biopharmaceutical company, and so she wanted to be in the patient access area. So what she put as her goal is to um, find a position in patient access within this company, and her target audience then became you know, hiring manager or executive and influencers in that area. And the problem that they had is that um, because of the high cost of drugs today, that they had to pour more and more resources into patient access so that doctors wouldn't just, uh, you know, disregard their drugs and say, no, I don't think my patients can afford this. So they had to do a lot of education around that. And so she was able to say that her marketing background would help to educate the doctors. She could do promotions with the doctors so that they would understand the value of using the patient access uh, services for this company. And um, then she was able to differentiate. uh, So she wrote a category statement where she said, you know, I'm this uh, patient access expert and, you know, healthcare executive. And she then was able to state what her evidence was. So you have your target audience, you have the problem from the target audience's point of view, and then you have your category, so you kind of put a stake in the ground. And then the next thing is you have to say, you know, well, what is your value proposition and are you differentiated in the value that you can bring? And so her value proposition was, um, even though people didn't even know this about her, she actually had a public health degree, uh, master's degree. So she went and she dusted that off. She put that, you know, up front. And she said with, you know, my public health um, background and uh, my marketing background and my this many years at this company uh, where I really understand, you know, all aspects of this and all the various products, I can bring this value to this patient access area. And lo and behold, because she was so clear on her vision on what she could do, they um, they made a new job for her, and she ended up with um, 
300 people under her in a in taking three different areas and they put them together under her because she was so impressive with this vision and what she could do for the company and the company brand um, through the patient access area. So how long did it take her to go from the statement of the career goal to getting her branch positioned adequately and getting this job? What's the timeline on that? Um, I would say it was like three months. Uh, because she had, she actually had the goods. It's just that she needed to figure out. She went through the whole process, the branding taste process, and um, she then figured out, okay, who do I need to educate about myself? Because if I bring this to um, executive leadership, and I don't have anyone backing me up saying, oh, yeah, she's great at this and she really understands this thing, then I won't have a lot of credibility. So she Mm -hmm. actually um, was very methodical about mapping out her ecosystem for this new area that she wanted to be seen as a leader in. And she did that. And while during this three-month period, she actually, I encouraged her to get known outside the company as well. And she Mm -hmm. reached out to... Uh, one of the professional organizations, and she led a, a panel on this this whole area of patient access. And um, so she took that back to her company. There were there were ways to educate people through uh, internal social media, if you will. And um, and then she did a couple of talks internally um, and pulled her network together and educated them on her background. She rewrote her resume. She rewrote um, her LinkedIn profile, uh, everything. She rewrote her profile that was done in the company. And by the time she went to um, executive leadership, and she had a pre-existing relationship with the president of the company, but he didn't know, he didn't think of her in this new capacity. Mm -hmm. And she came and she laid out the uh, research that she had done in the market and she said, here's a huge opportunity and we can differentiate ourselves here as well as solve this problem of the perception of our drugs being too high priced. This, um, it sounds so simple when you say it. But you're it's right. Not simple. It's, it's not, not simple. simple. And right. I, I really had, she was a superstar. But I would say that other people, a more likely scenario is that it might take a 12 or 18 month cycle before right. this pays off. But someone who has a lot of the strengths but just haven't positioned them in the right way, it can be very quick. I mean, I, I saw um, an example of a woman who had a chance meeting with the CEO of another company that she really wanted to work for. And um, she had put together, she had done all her work and put together this great elevator pitch and based on her positioning statement. And she went and she said, I'm going to take, you know, um, advantage of this opportunity, a one-on-one with this guy, and I'm going to um, tell him how much I uh, respect the work that he's doing at the new company and um, tell him about what I'm up to. And after that conversation, because she was so articulate and uh, strategic and impressive, um, and he had known her from a previous company but not very well, she was actually offered a job in a few weeks after that initial conversation. I mean, he went from that conversation to going to HR and saying, I'd really like you to uh, see if we can recruit this person. 
Right, right. Where's the opportunity for that? See, um, I get why you say that you have to start with a goal. Because you have to have a reason, you have to know where you're headed and because that guides, I get what you mean, it guides where you're going to go. If I'm trying to position myself in a new area or I'm trying to position myself as the best expert in an acquisition or I'm trying to position myself as somebody who has a strength that isn't being tapped. It's just, it's being clear what you want to get out of this positioning seems to me as, I, that makes a lot of sense. And then yeah, it is I a mean, matter. Yeah. I was just going to say that the position statement often is iterative. You do a first draft, and it just doesn't hold water. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, I don't believe this. So that you keep on working on it. And you might find that um, with a new goal, your target audience will change, and that target audience will have a different set of needs and wants, and the problem statement or opportunity statement may change. And because of that, then how you position yourself against that problem or opportunity that that target audience has will change. So, um, so you know, I've had people who were looking at two different tracks and they wrote position statements for those different tracks and mm-hmm. just said, I think this second track is the strongest one and I'm going to go with that and I'm going to work, I'm going to build a brand ecosystem around getting people to know me and know my strengths and know me in this context. Right. That it, I mean, I understand now why the system works so brilliantly well. So we're going to start, just to iterate, we're going to take a break here in a moment too. But just to reiterate, we're going to start with some sense of what it is I'm trying to, what's my goal, what's my objective, what am I trying to do, and what's the reason for the repositioning. And then I have to have some analysis of the positioning, what we call a positioning statement, a place in the world, which is going to come from a problem, no, a target audience, a problem that target audience has and the ways in which you can help them solve that problem or an opportunity you can bring to them. That positioning, understanding that, allows you then to start looking at your messaging statements, your talking points or your elevator pitch or a way of structuring that to make it really tight and concise. Right, And then we want to merge together the cake and the icing, which gives us the brand strategy. And you've talked about this as a matrix and getting real clarity about what your brand is about so that you live it and breathe it and own it and feel confident in it. And four is about mobilizing the ecosystem, all the um, influencers that are around you or can be influencers in the system. And as you've rightly said, sometimes that's external for giving talks at public associations that you then bring back to your influencers inside or with clients and a whole range of people that you can sort of mobilize in this ecosystem. And then the last one is making sure you have a plan of action so you know what you're going to do, one, two, three, four, in order to get results at the end of the day. Easy to say, Karen. It takes some work (laughs) to get there for sure. But it's so worthwhile. I mean, the rewards are great. Plus, just imagine having done that work, how much more articulate you can be when you do have that moment to represent yourself in front of a key stakeholder in the ecosystem or in front of a key opportunity. And all of it says is it is possible to reposition yourself 
or to reframe how people think about you, their perceptions. All right, my guest today is Karen Kang. Uh, Karen is the author of a book called Branding Pays, the five-step system to reinvent your personal brand. Her website is brandingpays.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-I-N-G dot P-A-Y-S dot com. And you've already heard there's a variety of resources available on the website, including questions to ask, kind of an easy 360 to get a sense of what people think think about your brand. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about messaging, that lovely thing called the elevator pitch and how you go about actually structuring the thing. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leading outside of your comfort zone is a delicate balance. You need new skills and new ways of working. To reach the program today, send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. That's wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. 
Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Karen Kang. The book we've been talking about is Branding Pays, The Five-Step System to Reinvent Your Personal Brand. I misspoke at the end of the last segment. So her webs, Karen's website is branding, P-A-Y-S, dot com. And if you go to the website, you're going to find a whole lot of templates there to help you work through the five steps that we have just been talking about. Or buy the book. There are great tips and examples in the book as well. It's a very easy, structured way to process. Now, Karen... Um, one of the things that I know you say is that you have to brand from the inside out. Why do you say that and what does that mean to you? I think that it's important to look at your core values and have your core values and your true passions drive what your personal brand is. Because if your core values are different from what your behaviors are, then you're going to be seen as inauthentic. And authenticity is key to having a sustainable brand. Um, If you can't be credible, I don't think the brand is going to be very strong or very good. Um, The other point I want to make about branding from the inside out is that sometimes people think they can just put on a, a new suit of clothes and voila, they're the new and improved you. But unless you do the work to uh, articulate what that change is, um, an external change is not going to make people think differently. It's just going to make them put a spotlight on you. And if you have nothing new or if you have no new content, uh, you're just going to be seen as an empty suit. So Mm -hmm. it's important to really think hard about what you want your brand to be, uh, what the opportunity is for branding, and make sure that your core values and your brand are aligned. Okay, great. That makes sense. I love this phrase of you can't just brand, you can't just put on a new suit and voila. Because I think a lot of people go out and say, well, let me just go tell everybody that I'm a team player when I have not been acting in a team player or people don't see me as a team player. But you have to go and do the homework. You have to do the work to say, look, there's more here than you've seen. And let me show you what's going on. Not in a way that looks defensive, so I probably gave a bad example. Okay, let's talk about messaging. So I think, you know, once you've got this sense of what's your goal, what is it, I'm, why is it I'm trying to reposition, I got my positioning statement, so I know who the target audience is, I know the problem it is I can solve for them, and I know how it is I can help them solve that problem. So I understand all that, I've done the homework to be prepared for that. Now we come to, I have to actually tell somebody about it. So the messaging statement. So how do we go about getting ready for them? I mean, what are the steps here? Give us advice on messaging. Okay. So let's look at the tool for the elevator pitch. I've broken it into three things. First of all, what I do or want to do. The second is providing context and value. Because if there's no context, if people don't see how it's relevant to them, they won't pay attention to what you're saying. And then third, you know, providing some evidence for some of the statements that you're making. So at the very beginning, you know, if you only have five seconds, perhaps all you will be able to say is your name and, you know, what you do at your company. And that's good. I mean, people need to remember your name and your company because if they don't remember anything else, at least they know how to get in touch with you. But if you have a little more time, um, it's very important to set the context. 
let me give you an example. Okay. So I had a director of global procurement. Um, she had an opportunity on an hour-long train ride to introduce herself to the, um, the chief procurement officer, a new, a new person at the company. And at first she was uh, very afraid to do this, but she said, you know, I have an elevator pitch. I know what to say. So she went up to him and she introduced herself and then said something like, you know, well, procurement has never been more important than today uh, with what's happening in the economy and the world. And she started talking about global competitiveness and the importance to look at the risks and the options for global supply. And he got her attention. I mean, he, she got his attention. Um, and then when she was given an opportunity to say more, she talked about this global best practices study that she was in mm-hmm. charge of and about a pilot program that she was doing at the company in this whole area that she had been discussing and saying how important it was. And what that brief conversation was able to do for her was to position her as a global procurement expert, someone who was a strategic thinker and leading important initiatives at the company. So this is an example of you know, internal networking with executives. But there's also elevator pitches that you might want to do externally. Maybe it's to have a new business opportunity or maybe it's just to get known in the industry. Um, I want to bring an example up of a, of a lawyer. He was a partner in an international law firm, and he was globally recognized in one area, but he could see the handwriting on the wall, the area that he was known for, was going away for various technology reasons. So he wanted to pivot, and he thought that there was a huge opportunity in intellectual property and helping companies, large companies, protect their interests um, as they would spin off technology businesses and taking a look at their portfolio. So what he was able to do is reposition himself in this whole area of intellectual property, and he, he was able to put the context as protecting intellectual property is going to be key for companies whose fortunes rise and fall on their innovations. So right there, he gets the um, attention of leadership in technology companies, which is what he wanted to do. And as he looked forward in terms of his career, in the next five years, he wanted to uh, be on corporate boards. So he started positioning himself in terms of his business um, strategy and capabilities in that area, and, um, and he was successful in doing that. He now is known in this whole you know, managing IP portfolios area, as well as um, getting a position on a corporate board. Great. Okay. And again, we come right back to the same things we were talking about in the positioning statement, that there's a clarity in what it is you want. So there's an opportunity out there as well. And you want to position yourself now as someone who can help achieve that opportunity. 
So, and you said it clearly, it's that inside work of knowing what it is that's probably not going to work and why I need to reposition and what it is I can position towards. Okay? It's important for your elevator pitch to understand that there's going to be a change in the value messages that you give to different audiences. If you're talking to company leadership, you're going to have to be talk in much broader terms, more global terms, and be more strategic. If you're talking Mm -hmm. to um, a peer, um, and you can get more into, I wouldn't say the weeds, but you can be more specific about your examples. If you're talking to someone in finance, you need to find a finance angle for why uh, someone in finance would be interested in what you're doing and the value that you're bringing. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very important to understand those audiences and what their care abouts are. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, One of the things that I say is, you know, routinely have people in programs that I'm running around and say, what do you do? People give the lamest answers for what you do. They give me the title. They give me the functional area that they're in, often in an acronym that unless I work in that area, I don't even know what it is. And it gives me no clue what their contribution is to that group. So presumably, if I've done this positioning work, I can have a better answer to what do I do for the first five seconds that might actually stick. Is that the, am I on the right track? No, Absolutely. Okay. So, for instance, um, worked with a product development um, executive, and um, he wanted to be known for empowering development teams to innovate. Mm-hmm. And he had developed um, a system, not a system, but really an approach to um, making this happen. And empowerment was very, very important to him. So he wanted to know, be known not only for, you know, his technical expertise, but also his, um, I, I guess, his ability to build great innovation teams. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, smack dab at the very front of his elevator pitch, where he goes in and he says, you know, I'm product development executive with XYZ company, and I have a passion for enhancing innovation and building uh, engineering cultures. So when you say something like that, especially when innovation is so important, and I work in Silicon Valley, and um, innovation sometimes becomes a word that is overused, but Mm -hmm. if you can bring the evidence to the party and say, And this is what we were able to accomplish and and bring some real metrics in. Um, People will set up and take notice. Mm -hmm. I also find when people have done all the work and they've really, they now really own this thing, there's a bit of passion behind it. And it's in their own language. It's not something that anybody else is going to say because it's a bit unique to them. Um, It's not like I'm a great team player who solves problems. Everybody can say that. It's much deeper than that one. That passion, that energy, that uniqueness to it, um, I think people respond to that almost at an emotional gut level They respond to it. And that's exactly what you're saying. When he says, I have a passion for building innovation teams and engineering cultures, okay, I can see how that would come across. 
So you said to the elevator pitch, there's three parts, which is the first five seconds, if that's all you have, then I have to say, what do I do or what do I want to do? And then you said the second part is the context or the value. How is it that I am relevant to you? And that's going to get adapted to the audience. Can you give me an example about what a context bit would look like? Yeah, so um, let's go back to this uh, marketing example uh, in the pharmaceutical firm. So from the uh, standpoint of the uh, executives, um, like the president or CEO, he or she is going to be very concerned about um, perceptions about pharmaceutical companies, especially mm-hmm. when we're talking, at least in the United States, about you know um, having universal health care and um, you know making it so that drug companies um, there'll be central purchasing from drug companies. Now mm-hmm. this hasn't mm-hmm. happened, but just the fact that they're talking about it um, very much scares uh, leadership in these mm-hmm. in these pharmaceutical firms. So marketing, if marketing can come back and say, um, you know, for instance, my example with the patient access person, if she can say. With our patient access programs, we will really help our corporate brand because we will show that we understand um, the burdens on consumers. And we are doing everything that we can through grants, outright grants, to uh, subsidies, uh, to these you know, drug discount cards, and working with physicians to make sure that cost is never a barrier to someone in need getting the therapies that they need. Right. Um, for a CFO, uh, you would say, well, look, you know, I'm by doing this kind of education, we have cut down the cost of uh, maintaining our systems and talking to physicians. We have streamlined things on our website and made it really easy, so we need less people to do things. So that's the, the message that's going to come through for the CFO. And in all of this, you know, you would be positioning yourself as you know, an expert, an expert not only in your domain, but also in some of the infrastructure that it takes to make that happen, make the solution that you're talking Great. about happen. Great. Great example, because you now can see exactly how it all fits together. And then you, when you come to the third part of the elevator pitch, which is the evidence, presumably I have some examples to show or some talks that I've given or a study that I have done or a project that I've been part of that adds to the credibility of what I'm saying. Okay. For instance, a, a case in point with this uh, patient access thing is they did a promotion an education um, campaign with doctors. And at first, there was only like about 12% recognition of the program. And after they were done with the program, um, a year or 18 months later, it was like something like 45%. So there had been a huge increase in uh, recognition of the program. So that's a real metric that you can bring up. And if, it, if you don't have actual numbers, you can even give anecdotal evidence and anecdotal evidence uh, can be very powerful. Right, right. I think sometimes anecdotal evidence carries more weight than the absolute number, unless you've got a really compelling number. Okay, Karen, we have three minutes before we have to close. Um, I know you've talked a lot about social media, so just give us your top highlights about things to keep in mind in social media, particularly when you're trying to reposition your brand. You need to be consistent across all platforms. So let's say you're on LinkedIn, let's say you're on Facebook, 
uh, whatever. I think that it's so important to, especially in a professional context, if you can, you know, have uh, the same picture because that's going to be your avatar that you're going to carry around with you. Um, and similar words so that, you know, people don't get confused as to who this person is and what you're really all about. And I would really emphasize the importance of LinkedIn because LinkedIn is a global platform and they have opened things up so that you can blog on it, you can be seen as an expert, you can post and repost and carry on conversations with influencers um, in your area. And even those relationships, will people will see who you're doing um, conversations with and they'll say, oh, wow, you know, they're connected and, you know, that might rub off on you. So, uh, you know, even spending, you know, five or ten minutes a day doing LinkedIn, making sure that you're, you know, answering queries or messages that come your way, you'll be seen, um, you know, more as a, as a person who's a professional, who's with it, who's connected. And if you are able to figure out what your area of expertise or what your point of view is that you want to get out there, LinkedIn is a great way to do it. Great. Okay, much to consider here. Karen, when you give people advice on this, how much time in a week do you think it takes to reposition the brand to get it where you want to go and keep it where you want it to go? Are we talking about an hour a week, 30 minutes a week, four hours a week? Well, it just depends on, on what you're you know, trying how to. big the challenge is. And so I can't tell you actual numbers, but for instance, I tell people that if they have to pivot and they have a new ecosystem to build and new relationships to build, that they absolutely must schedule that into their, um, you know, their daily, weekly, quarterly schedule and yeah. make sure that you know, they follow up. So let's say you, you go to an executive and you say, um, I would really love some career advice because I see in your background you went from this to that, and I think that is the career trajectory that I'd love to follow. And so uh, if that executive says, you know, yes, I'd love to talk to you. I have 15 minutes, you know, on Friday or half an hour or whatever, come by my office, then you start developing a relationship, and also that person then feels... It feels, you know, invested in in right. in your career. And let's say you do some of this work, and you take that work to that person or your boss or whoever, and people will get invested and try to help you out. And if you're trying to think through your ecosystem, who are the influencers in this area? They will help you with that. Um, and then later on, maybe they'll give you a recommendation on LinkedIn, and you will have given them the words and the ammunition so that they can be. Uh, the most articulate advocate for you. Fabulous. Karen, we're out of time. As always, I run out of time. I could use more time. My guest today is Karen Kang. The book is Branding Pays, the five-step system to reinvent your personal brand. And Karen's website is brandingpays.com. Fabulous set of templates and tools there. Lots of things to do. I think the thing that's most striking to me out of all of this is being clear on the need to reposition and the reason for the reposition. And then to start the positioning statement with understanding who the target is, what's the problem that you're trying to solve, and how is it that you're going to do that. And then the rest flows, not automatically, but at least systematically from there. So, Karen, thank you. That was very insightful. Thank you, Wanda. My pleasure. 
All right. Join us next week for another episode in how to get out of your comfort zone. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.